welcome to the BA Brew. I'm Lisa. I'm Kate. And I'm Jonathan. Today we're going to talk about the importance of developing uh, positive and effective habits in, in work and in life, actually. Um, hopefully we can share some insights with you. Um, Kate, it's your debut on the BA Brew. Uh, would you like to start with anything? Have you got anything you'd like to share with us in terms of habits perhaps that you've overcome in the past? Um, I guess one of my biggest habits overcoming was reaching for the crisp. So instead of getting started on a meaty piece of work, um, yeah, going to the cupboard, reaching for a bag of crisps, can't possibly start that stakeholder math because I haven't eaten my crisps yet. That's probably one of my, my big ones that I've overcome. Okay, I understand you've got some quite quite intense views on crisps as well. Is that right? I have. We had a slight discussion before the BA brew um, around ready salted crisps because they are absolutely the top of my list. Um, much to the disgust of some of the other people on the on the brew. That's it. Very soft. It's, it's not what I expected to say. If somebody said to me, Kate, what, 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 Kate, what crisps do you think Kate likes? It, it's not the thing that springs to mind, to be honest. Yeah, it's quite I, a surprising choice. I would have gone for something kind of kind of a bit more uh, Worcester sauce or something kind of yeah. kind of a bit bit spicy, maybe, but not not ready salted. I don't mean, know. Is there a crisp personality? <laughs> quite possibly, but it's interesting that you see me as being a Worcester sauce fan. Yeah. Worcester sauce yeah. fan. No, plain all the way. What about you, Jonathan? What, what's your favourite? Prawn cocktail's my favourite, and I know it's a controversial oh, yeah. choice for some. That's that's another. But... Yeah, that's another one I wasn't, wouldn't have expected. Yeah. I'm more salt and vinegar myself. But, uh, but again, yeah, like I say, controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I've done quite a lot of research in this area, and I can confirm that ready salted is. <laughs> You've been rating crisp, Kate. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Rating, not eating them. How about you, Jonathan? Have you got anything, any, uh, any positive, like, perhaps but, negative habits that became positive over time? I'm going to link this tentatively to crisps. And one of the things that I've tried to do is to stop eating crisps, which I find quite difficult. So I've cut them out of my diet for the last uh, ooh, good six months or so. So I was in the habit of having a packet of crisps with a sandwich at lunch. Um, and so what I've done is I've swapped that out for an apple. So I quite enjoy a pink lady apple with my lunch. Um, some I still get the crispiness and, and the enjoyment, but it's not a packet of crisps. And that that habit's taken a while to break, but I'm now out of the habit of going to the crisp cupboard. And I feel kind of, I don't know, a little bit of a sense of achievement as a result of being able to break that habit. But it has taken quite a lot of willpower to do it and then at times and i'll share um kettle crisps um there are other brands available I, if there's a, if there's a packet and they're open and there's a i find it really difficult to resist them still but it's a kind of the, yeah. just a hint at the power of habit and it's really difficult to break your habits here or to change them i think was, that linked, was your change there jonathan linked to a particular goal um i'm doing couch to 5k kate Okay. So I'm attempting to increase my exercise, reduce my um, negative kind of calorie intake, I suppose. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's it's linked to working from home a lot and just not being out and moving as much as prior to the pandemic. And, and so I just decided, well, what can I do to make my lifestyle a little bit healthier? 
and that that minor change it's a tiny change um is something that i'm in control of and was as I, i've been able to just about master it until i see the bowl of kettle chips or chili doritos and those those ones are difficult to resist as well i will will admit i think that's the key point that you're raising is around it's it can potentially be more you can be more successful in changing your habits if they're anchored to a particular goal so actually it gives you that focus and when you're trying to sort of become aware of um you know whether a habit that you have is unhelpful or helpful it's useful to do that in relationship to to a you know a future state that you're after so actually you know you look at okay i want to get fitter that's your goal okay well what are the habits that you have around that that you find useful and that help you achieve that goal um, and what are the habits that you have that actually hinder you? And then actually being able to look at those unhelpful habits and say, oh, what could I do to change those? So it's that initial bit of self-awareness. So having a goal, self-awareness of what your current habits are, deciding whether those are helpful or unhelpful and grabbing those unhelpful ones and saying, okay, what am I going to do with these? Mm. You know, I need to change them in some way or, you know, and, and I think it's um, it started with, Charles um, Dewitt, I think is, is mm -hmm. how you pronounce his surname, yep. um, in his book. And I think James Clear um, has sort of evolved it, but they, they talk about this, this idea of a habit loop. Mm -hmm. So it was originally three, and then I think James Clear added another sort of uh, part of the process. And as BAs, we love a bit of process. So um, <laughs> the first part is a cue. So it's all about like what triggers that particular habit. So for you, it would have been lunchtime. So there's a time involved, would have been in your kitchen. Who are you with? what happens, what emotions you might be thinking at that time, oh, I'm hungry, oh, I'm bored, you know, any of those sorts of things, and that's your cue. And then you go into your craving of, oh, what do I want? I could have those crisps. And that's when you start to think, like, I've got a real desire for that end result and that reward. Um, so, so you get, like, a bit of an emotional response um, then to your, to your cue. And then you have the response itself or the routine or the habit, which is ripping open that bag of ready salted crisps. Um, that might just be the way that I eat them. So delicately opening your packet, I imagine, for you, Jonathan. <laughs> Putting them around as a wedge for you. Well. That's, that's your habit. And then your reward is whatever your, you know, whatever you get following eating those crisps. So, it, you know, satiety, that's how you say it, or, you know, the, the gratification that you get basically for fulfilling that, um, that, that um, habit. And it's interesting because you create, your brain actually then creates neural pathways that associates all of those things together. And so that's why habits are really sticky because your brain is actually going, oh, these things work. I'm going to stick these things together. So it's cue, craving, habit, and then reward. So when you're trying to change a habit, it's, you know, it's quite an involved process because you have to do something to either change the cue, change the craving, change the habit itself, or change your view of what that reward gives you. So it's quite, there's quite a lot of sort of neuroscience behind it as well. But um, James Clear talks about it um, a lot in his book, Atomic Habits, which is really worth a read if you're looking to, to make changes. Yeah, I've not, mm -hmm. I've not read the James Clear uh, work, but I, I have read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And I, I just remember it being a really impactful book at the time of reading it and, and thinking about, well, what, what really are the habits that you've got that help you or disadvantage you in some way yeah. um, and the other book that I'm, I'm just going to mention and I know I've talked about this with Lisa in the past um, Stephen 
Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is also a book that if you are interested in looking at habits and studying kind of your own habits and where they lead you to, that book as well, I'd, I'd suggest could be really useful to pick up. Um, yeah, that's an excellent one. Actually, I think when you recommended it, Jonathan, I bought I bought it in mid last year. Um, yeah, fantastic book. Really good stuff in there. Really good. I could do with this actually, Kate. Is some of your your sort of theory behind this? Um, giving up chocolate because chocolate, unlike crisps, chocolate's my thing. Okay. And yeah, it's a lot more calories in chocolate than crisps. So yeah, I might, I might come to come to you afterwards and we'll we'll talk about this. How, how can I reduce my chocolate intake? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think James, um, James Clear offers quite a lot of, of different ways that you can help with those unhelpful habits. Um, there's things like, um, so, you know, habit stacking. So if you want to bring in a new habit, so Jonathan, yours around running, for example, yep. um, you might stack it on something else that you already do. So it might be I turn off my computer and my running gear is right next to my desk. So yep. you're then stacking those things together, which then you, you develop that new cue craving reward yeah. cycle. And, and I've actually done that. What I've done is I've linked it to taking my kids to football practice. So oh, I take my son to football practice. And when I'm getting ready to take him, I put my running gear on, get ready, drop him off. I go for a run. I don't, it doesn't, I'm, I'm still working my way up. So it only takes me half an hour or so to do my run. And I'm back in time. I can still watch some of his football practice, but I've, got that i'm getting into that habit uh, um i've done it a few times but i'm trying to build it um i'm making sure i'm getting that exercise hit and and it's that time in the day where it's convenient it's sort of time that i'd otherwise be it, it would be wasted i suppose in terms of not not achieving an outcome yeah. um but yeah it, it, may, it then becomes a lot easier doesn't it i love it yeah, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant example. It's like the whole um, going to the gym with the friend, isn't it? Because you don't want to let them down, so you do go. Well, actually, when you get there and do your workout, you feel better, don't you? But it's just getting there half the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've that, talked a bit. Sorry, Jonathan. But there's a, there's a there's asking for help as well is really useful. So to, to asking your friends and and arranging something. But if if you're living in a household where I don't know, there's there's an abundance of ready salted crisps in the cupboard because someone's gone and done the shopping. I'd imagine that that's the kind of thinking ahead and planning. But if you talk to either yourself, if you're the person doing the shopping or someone else um, about planning ahead. So could we change our buying habit? And then you're stacking that negative habit of buying the ready salted crisps. You should switch to, red, to prawn cocktail, by the way, Kate. But... <laughs> 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 but buying the crisps is a habit as much as eating them so if you can get to the root cause of the habit and talk about it reflect on it and plan ahead of time you've got a better chance it's a bit like having the commitment with your friend going to the gym yeah. you're helping each other yeah absolutely it's, and it, it's linked as well isn't it to sort of making things easier or harder so if it's um, an unhelpful habit that you've identified, then make it tricky to do so with your chocolate, Lisa, for example. If that chocolate was on a top shelf inside another um, container, you've, you've got some thinking time there. Before you just reach for it and eat it, you've actually got to get a chair, get up to the cupboard, unpack it. <laughs> you might be thinking to yourself, 
oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this, or I don't want to do this. I don't know, okay. If, if, it was inside, if it was inside a series of Russian dolls, I'd still play my way into it, you know. <laughs> I'd still be in there. Okay, you need to stick with Jonathan's Don't Buy It in the first place. But... Just do it, yeah, exactly. If, if it's in the house, I will find it. Lisa, yeah, could you write yourself a note <laughs> when you bought it? Write yourself a note, don't eat this. <laughs> That wouldn't work. <laughs> Don't listen to myself. <laughs> Conversely, it works as well the other way, doesn't it? So if your goal, so if you want to turn something in, like make it a bit more positive, so it's actually I'm going to include some healthy snacks into my day rather than I must not eat the chocolate because you're almost sometimes, depending on how your brain works, but mine would be like, oh, someone's told me I can't do something, I'm definitely going to do it, even if it's myself. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's better to add in a goal around, oh, I'm going to include three healthy snacks this, mm -hmm. this week. And then you make them available. So the classic example is just making sure that there's, you know, an apple in a fruit bowl in your, uh, in your line of sight so that that's the first thing that you go to. And it's just that reminder then, isn't it? You must have something healthy you know and that helps you reach yeah. your goal when you do something towards your goal you also naturally get a little bit of a dopamine hit because you give yeah. yourself a little pat on the back so all of that reinforces this idea of oh this is a good habit for me so you're more likely to repeat it then no definitely I mean, it depends but i suppose it's all about what works for you as a person isn't it so at times times gone by where i've tried to cut down on chocolate for example it's not really worked because I haven't got the willpower to cut down. Whereas when I've given up for Lent completely, that's worked okay. Because there's, there's no question in my mind, can I have some today, can I not? I've just completely given it up, I can't have any. So, so that, that's worked pretty well. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose it's, it's working out what, what works for you, isn't it? Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, we all respond to things in different ways. It depends what your goal is as well and what the habit is and how long you've had the habit as well. Some of these ones that are really ingrained are more difficult to shift and might need lots of different tactics. Uh, to sort of to change them. So, if we're to arrive at to the to like a work centre and SBAs, um, have you got any ideas on habits in in your roles and in the past as BAs? I mean, Jonathan, have you got any like work related habits that you've yeah. one, one, of the habit, one of the habits that I've got, and my colleagues take the mick out of me for this, is that at the start of the working day, I draw a grid. And the grid has all of the tasks that I'm going to do for the day. I've got the, the grid lines are um, important or not important and urgent and not urgent. It comes from Stephen Covey. And what, what I do is I draw that. And, and basically anything that's important and urgent, that's the priority. They're the things I'm going to have to do immediately. Um, and if it's not important, not urgent, I'm not going to spend much time on those things. If it's not important, but urgent. I, I I don't particularly like doing those tasks, but sometimes you've got to do them. Sometimes you'll delegate. But the trick on that particular grid is to try and spend time in the important but not urgent bucket of work. And this is preventative maintenance. This is where you're building networks. This is where maybe you're exercising, doing some reading, listening to a podcast, for example. It might be important for you to have that relaxation or that knowledge or that engagement but it's not urgent you do it now and so it and linking that to habit that going for the exercise or reading the book or whatever it is that you want to do it's important not urgent you could put that off till tomorrow and there's no real consequence and that that is one of the things that i've done and, and, and i've done it now for something like five or six years and i'm i'm 
quite strict about my time and where I will focus my time. And I make a deliberate decision. If I'm going to focus on something, I'm generally going to focus on it, but it has to be a priority. Um, and the other thing that I'm going to hint at there is that in the prioritization, you've got to have a goal in mind, linking to what Kate, you were saying, mm -hmm. the anchor of the goal and the vision. So beginning with the end in mind is also a habit. And I always do that with my business analysis work. What's the target state? Where are we aiming towards here? Is one of the most frequently used questions that I'll use as a business analyst because I need to know the goal, the outcome, so I can help with getting towards that goal or outcome. And I'm I'm not productive if I don't know where we're headed. I don't know the goal or the vision. And so they, those things are really kind of ingrained in terms of habits, in terms of the way that I tackle business analysis. Um, so a bit of a long-winded answer there. Sorry, Lisa. No, it's fantastic how, just how, um, how dedicated you are to, to doing that list every morning and putting that, that effort into working out what your, like say, your priorities. It's uh, <laughs> impressive. Yeah. How long did it take you to sort of, because all of this is behaviour change, and yep. that's the beauty of it is that if it's just practised, we can yep. all change our behaviours. That's the good thing about it. How long did it take you to get into that so that it's ingrained in you now that you always start with that? It comes from that Covey book that we mentioned, and I read that at least three times before I started practising the habits. Okay. is isn't an overnight kind of, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this. Okay. So I read it three times over the course of maybe four years before I decided I was going to do it. And, and what changed my behaviour was I was presenting at the European Business Analysis Conference on Stephen Covey's Seven Habits for Business Analysis. And so I had an anchor, I had a... I wanted to therefore apply them. And so what I did was I spent nine months leading up to that presentation, practicing the habits every single day. And so that nine months of prep meant that it became an ingrained habit in terms of my routine. Um, but yeah, good three, four years for me to put in place the habit that, that Kobe talked about, because I'd read about it, but not applied it. Um, I'd read it and thought, oh, that's good theory but didn't have the desire to go and do it. But I think a little bit of it was that commitment that I'd committed that I was going to present on this subject. And to be able to present on it with confidence, I wanted to actually use the habit. So I had a bit of an anchor. And the audience, well, they maybe didn't know that I'd had that journey, that I'd, I'd sort of had a commitment to them that I would apply the habit, um, which I think, think could be useful to think about. Yeah. And then that probably would have come through actually in your talk because you can tell when somebody really knows what they're talking about when they've practiced it, when they've lived it. You, you yeah. can tell, can't you? Sure. Yes. I bet that was a really good talk. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I put a lot of effort into it. So. Yeah, well, nine, nine months, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How about you, Kate? Have you got anything from your like previous life in a BA role? Um, I guess mine's a bit more um, around procrastination. So I have a bit of a habit of procrastination because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I will sort of hold off maybe putting something together and sending it over to stakeholders because I'm like, oh, it doesn't quite do this or I haven't quite got that bit. Um, so I've had to get more into the habit of sharing early and embracing sort of early feedback. And that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable because the reward isn't, you know, like the reward of handing something over to me, something, a finished something that I'm really, really proud of. That's always been my reward of the bit that I crave. So actually being able to hand something over that's like sort of 
half-hearted, not half-hearted, but half-finished and just in its infancy is quite hard habit. Yeah. Was, has been quite a hard habit to break, yeah. Kate, I'm going to compliment yeah. you now because um, just just last week or the week before, you you shared with me an unfinished spreadsheet um, as a gift. I, I saw it as a gift to you, <laughs> but but it, it was definitely unfinished. <laughs> but it's an early process, <laughs> and you asked for feedback, and and we talked about it, and then we moved it forward. But you you that's I'd see that as progress because yeah. you were comfortable in sharing it, and and it. You know, it, we've moved it forward, I'd hope, and it's still not finished, I know, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I think that's really important. In, yeah, I think it is, and thanks for the feedback, because that's, you know, along that journey, it's good sometimes to get that feedback as well, but it definitely helps with this, um, the sort of, the this collaborative element of business analysis that's so important at the moment. You know, you've got to bring your stakeholders in, you've got to work, you get a much better result if you're collaborative. So actually my helpful habit, I can see the gains that I can get from doing it and from being, you know, from practicing that habit more. But that's something that, yeah, still a work in progress, obviously, because I'm a perfectionist, I'll probably be working on it for life. But um but that's okay. I'm okay with that. So yeah, that's probably my most yeah. one I would think. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how perfectionism plays into that because I'm very similar. I'm really uncomfortable if I've not had a chance to finish everything to the to the sort of level of quality that I want to. I think that's it's probably a common thing across most most BAs, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just conscious of time. Um, Jonathan, have you got anything else that you'd like to touch on before Sorry, we move over? I've just got one thing I wanted to, an unhelpful habit that you mentioned in our pre-pod, um, Lisa. That and, and you said to Kate and I, we needed to talk to you about it at 12 minutes 34. And we didn't, we didn't ask you the unhelpful habit that you've got that you're trying to break. Um, are you happy to share that? Oh, yes, yes. Um, so years ago, I'm going back quite a few years now, somebody said to me, um, I'll never forget it, a lady was quite outspoken. She said, Why are you apologizing? You've not done anything wrong. She said, You, you apologize all day, every day. I remember being take, taken aback, actually, thinking, feeling quite offended because I was just trying to be polite. But actually, I'm so glad now that she pointed it out because on reflection, I was then watching every time I did it. I thought, actually, she's right. Like 90% of the time I'm saying sorry and I don't need to. So I think just being conscious of it, that, that's how I overcame it. And then I stopped myself. I stopped myself from actually doing it and stopped apologising. Unless, obviously, it was, it was a genuine apology that, that was needed. Um, so that's that's probably my my biggest my biggest one over the years. Mm, mm. And that kind of recognizing you're saying, oh, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm sorry for contacting exactly. you. That kind of things that we might say or write in an email. You don't need to do it, and and it it doesn't doesn't help. But if you're in the habit of doing it, you might not notice you're in the habit of doing it. It's a bit like me going to the crisp cupboard. I'm not in the I'm not consciously thinking, and that's why habits are so powerful. Because the brain's taking over, you're you're running on autopilot. You're not consciously thinking, and and the trick for me is consciously thinking, and that will be my final thing. So think about your habits and reflect on them. You can change them. You can uplift them. You can move them towards more positive goals and outcomes. But it, it does require a lot of work. So then that's my final thoughts. <laughs> Absolutely. No, thank you. That's fantastic. Kate, anything from you? Mine, the key for me about changing habits is making sure that they are welded to some sort of goal that you're looking for. So being really clear about what you're trying to achieve and then comes back to that self-awareness. What am I doing at the moment that either helps or hinders? 
Um, and once you've identified that, that's when you can make change. So, yeah. No, thank you. That's a fantastic top tip, actually. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you both. It's been a great brew. Um, thank you all for watching. Um, if you have any ideas for the brew, um, please do email us with them at babrew at assistkd.com. Um, thank you for watching. <laughs>